So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker and Meg, why don't you run down what Inside Tracker is and what you can get? Yeah, so Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics. With a simple blood test and using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. And the good news for our listeners is for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash drop in. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. This is Robbie with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And you're listening to The Drop, our podcast about all things running and additional garbage that we have curated by our own raccoon. What are you doing with your hands? (laughs) I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, uh, Anyway, yeah, so let's get right into it because I, I pretty much amped you up. We did two podcasts like back to back so we missed a little bit of stuff yeah it's in, been like almost two weeks i guess since yeah. we actually recorded it. in the meantime megan is coming first place at another race robbie's That's... still got stitches <laughs> and uh I, i'm feeling pretty good so in some ways nothing's changed pretty much megan's still yeah. winning races I'm didn't still... miss much <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh meg is during our long run uh on a saturday she uh Added a 12-mile race in the middle and uh, happened to kick ass. Yeah. And then I did it, and uh, I did my normal stuff. It's, by the way, it's not like a local 5K race. It's a pretty legit. It's a local race, but it's a big mm-hmm. big race. Yeah, there's over 3,000 runners, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It's always a really fun day because it's a point-to-point, and you start up north of the city, and then you run all the way down to the city. <laughs> Then you got to figure out how to go get your car. So we always bike back, which is fun. <laughs> Megan says it's a pretty fun day. It's it's fun. I mean, it consists of this. We woke up at four in the morning. We drove out to the start of the race, which is uh, over 12 miles away. Mm-hmm. We ran, she ran five miles. I ran three miles pre, pre-race warm up. Then the race itself is hilly AF. And yes, net downhill right but you got to go up a lot of hills to get those downhills it is a punishing course if you run it wrong this year i ran it a lot better than last year also didn't have any of the coughing up of blood this year and then when you finish that we run five miles home so Megan ended up with 22 miles i ended up with 20 miles Jeez, and then man. we then we got on our bikes and rode back 13 miles to to get the car don't you feel like when you do something like that you're you're like that's that should keep me fit for a month. Like, I feel like you should be able to go to, like, I don't know, Vegas and hit, hit up Golden one Corral. of those. Yeah, one of those uh, buffets or whatever <laughs> yeah. and just be able to, like, eat anything you want. For but was it not want. fun? It is fun, but it's not like it's not like when we go to the pool and hang out and get <laughs> cocktails fun. It's it's. See, I loved it. I, I thought the whole thing was fun. I love the bike ride. It except is for- fun. Okay, I have to tell us one story about the bike ride. Please do. Okay, okay so <laughs> we're, we're like not, we're like cruising up because we're tired, you know, we just did a long run. So it's not like we're like real speeding anywhere. 
But there's this one giant downhill in Towson. What's that road? Uh, Charles Street. I guess it's Charles Street. And anyway, Thomas or, is like, yeah, I think it is. well, I'm going to take off here because I I can cruise down these. And so like, I'm like, all right. When it gets to the hills, my weight is an advantage. So I just tuck and go in and I'm doing, you know, 40, 50 miles per hour down this hill. <laughs> and I didn't realize, but Meg's going to get into it here. It's got a very sort of narrow shoulder that's misleading. And it has, are they called rumble strips? Mm -hmm. Do you know what those are? Like leading up to a stop sign? Like, or just like, in general? It's like so people along don't fall the asleep. line. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. if you like sweep off of the road, yeah. you hit the rumble <laughs> things and then, yeah. you know. Well, I'm like, I they're see Thomas. They're hard to see because they're not. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, just right. dug out cement. Yeah. I see Thomas speed down. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll try to, you know, catch up and speed along. And so I'm going and all of a sudden I hit these rumble <laughs> strips at probably 25 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. And it happened so fast that I couldn't like get out of it. So I am like literally, I can't see because I'm shaking so fast. And I'm like trying to like yell, but I can't do anything because you're just like literally vibrating so fast. And I was like crying, laughing all by myself. Thomas was like way ahead. Like, so no one saw it, but I just had this oh, insane. Meanwhile, I touched him a little bit. Like I, because you couldn't see him. And then I was like, at the beginning, it looked like you had about four feet of room to kind of maneuver. Mm -hmm. But the rumble strip's probably a foot wide. And then it goes, you have another foot, and then it starts going into, like, garbagey cement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you kind of had to be close to it. Yeah. And when I hit it, it's like, it goes, bah, 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 and you get that real hard shake in you know, your right. arms <laughs> and stuff like that. So when May said she was on, I'm going, dah, 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 dah. like, I'm just like, you had to be one panicking. Adrenaline had to be flying. Your he head's got to be bobbing up and down deep. Going. My whole body. Yeah. It was like. And Meg's bike is not the, like, it's good 10, 10 years old or yeah, whatever. Yeah, probably. But yeah. And it, yeah, that's, uh, that'll wake you up for sure. Yeah. It and, was an experience. And it's, it's a long hill, so there's nowhere to stop. So when you're doing the rumble strip, you still are going pretty fast and you can't throw on the brakes. Right. That'll just wipe you out. Well, it like took a while to register what was actually happening. Cause it was like all of a sudden I was just like, Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. To say we made it to our car. Yeah. And survived. the only benefit was Trader Joe's is out there. Oh yeah. Nice. So where the car was parked is by a Trader Joe's. We went in. I should have hit you up to get me some more everything but the bagel seasoning. Or, uh, I guess you can buy that anywhere now, but I feel like Trader Joe's. It's know, better there. It is. The best. And it's funny. I, we didn't even need it, and I bought a, a bottle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And I will tell you, I think that if we did like a co-op thing with a group of neighbors and just one person's going to have a ruin their day mm -hmm. and say, okay, you're the guy this That's week. That's not a bad idea. You go. Here's everybody's list. Yeah. You get everything on the list. Bring it back. And that way, you only waste one day. Well, you know what's crazy? I heard this story once of, um, it's so they don't have them in Canada. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy who lived in Vancouver who would come over to the U.S., buy a shit ton of Trader Joe's like groceries, like fill up his entire car. And he would come back over the border. I think it was Vancouver. but And he had like a store that was tra Trader Joe's. He made his own Trader but Joe's. It was his own. <laughs> he named it like Trader Bob's or something. That's actually amazing. And he just resold tra tra all Trader Joe's stuff because people want it, you know. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and did he get in trouble? I, yeah, I think the whole thing was like, it was not cool that he was like, you know, some sort of international commerce thing, I'm sure, but... But could I do that um, in Canton? Could we open up a mini Trader Joe's? That's what Joe's? I'm thinking. Maybe we should do that. Buy a corner house 
We should just, just do it in the office right here. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, a, little, yeah. a little Trader Joe's bodega. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? That stuff wouldn't last. We'd just go through it ourselves. That's, That's fine if we buy enough of it. I will say, pro tip, they have a chili lime seasoning, mm. which is really good just for tacos and things like that. But if you use it on um, the way that you would use salt on a margarita glass or a Paloma or something, Rim. it's so good. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite things because it's sweet and spicy. Speaking of partying. Last night, I got a sweet package of Tracksmith. Did you? Like really nice fall stuff. Like, I know we got the London gear, which I was mm-hmm. expecting, which was cool. But the fall gear, beautiful yeah. colors, those fall colors. They know how to do fall. And I call, I text Robbie, and I say, hey, I got a package for you. Can I stop by your house? He's out. Party? I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I kind of was. I, I drank some Natty Bows last night on the Natty Bow Tower. I was on, on the roof of the Natty Bow Tower. Were you doing the pizza party? No, it was uh, like a neighborhood meeting up there. Oh. Yeah. And so did you learn anything? Cool. Uh, a little bit, but I was, you know, they had hot dogs, hamburgers, and Natty Bows, so I was there. <laughs> so I know that you're interested in local politics and all that kind of stuff and just what's going on, knowing what's going on. Yeah. Uh, like you're not politically affiliated, but you like to like, hey, there's my neighborhood. I like to contribute and tell people <laughs> to pick, pick their weeds and not throw glass in the dumpster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, by did, the way, did you bring that up at they the did actually bring that up. Okay. Yeah. Because there's another dumpster day in November, which I will stay away from. But, uh, but they, they were like, gave that caveat and they're going to have someone there the so whole time stay. to make sure people are doing it right. <laughs> did I tell, did I tell you that the last, did I say this in the podcast before that another dumpster day, Someone threw a chair over the top. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember I did that because I tell a story so many I times. I think, Robbie, you <laughs> need like to a stay. cage match. You're spending too much time in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably looking at people's stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway. But if you're going to ask if I was going to, although I have an interest in that, I don't really have an interest in being, like, politically involved. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't want people to get the wrong idea, like, you're uh, into politics. Yeah, I'm like, it's, it's just so much work to, to kind of do that. I don't have enough time, really. Yeah, it was. It's interesting. The standard uh, political backlash if something goes bad. Yeah, is um, well, you can get involved. <laughs> Which <laughs> why like, do I? Why do I? Yeah, have so a representative. Sort of you to do. Yeah. No, and I I try to to you know to the extent that I can. But anyways, um, so yeah, so you texted me. I wasn't home. I was drinking Natty Bose. But I I brought the tracks messed up, and it's nice. Yeah, it is nice stuff. It's like uh. I got a pair of my favorite shorts, the Van Cortlands. Yeah. We nice. also got the CLA uh, Elite pack in. Yeah, man. And I ran in that this morning. Oh, yeah? I ran in the shorts. I ran in the Ben Johnson sore singlet. Man, you which, were looking bright, huh? Dude, I look like a safety. Like a diamond. <laughs> I look like a safety cone <laughs> going down the, yeah. down the road. But you know what's funny? I almost got hit this morning, and I was dressed in neon pink and neon orange. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to... Did you really almost get hit? I did. The, a lady... So the sun was coming up. I'll, I'll blame the sun a little bit. But she was taking, I was running towards her, and she was taking a right-hand turn, um, you know, doing a right-hand turn right by um, Harbor East. Uh-huh. And, like, I have the green light and everything, and she, she almost just, like, plowed me over. Oh. And I Were was, you on the sidewalk or the road? I was on the sidewalk for a change. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I was coming off the sidewalk, crossing the street. Well, and by the time she almost hit me, I was in the middle of... And she was coming in the other direction. She and was turning coming, right. Yeah, yeah. She was coming towards. So me. she should have seen you, especially yeah. in neon pink and neon yeah. orange. And I'm like not the tiniest. Like what else guy. can I do, lady? Yeah. And she, I, I'll give you more information offline. But um, 
the uh, what's it called? He punched. He knocked her out no. and then stole her car. <laughs> no, um, we made eye contact, and there was definitely uh, she didn't. She like she was scared. Like she was yeah. scared. Oh, that's good. I and always like to see fear I in their felt, eyes. <laughs> I, she was scared. And I also think I saw guilt, and then like yeah. the disappointment of oh, I'm yeah. It's clearly an accident. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the workout went well, but what I really liked was the, the CLA stuff. Okay. Tracksmith. I love for the feel like the Van Cortland shorts. They just feel right for me when they get soaked with sweat. They feel right for me that I just love that those shorts, but the, I wore the new CLA elite short. It's kind of like a split short. Yeah. It's so nice. It's light and airy. And I, what I like about what they're doing is they're not just bringing out gear to, um, be like me too. It's not just like another nice, just high end fabric, right, fabric right. or something like that. Like it has, like features in it that are really nice. Like it, it has. Yeah, it's like real nice. Yeah, it like five pockets, uh, like around. None of them are big enough for a phone, but a uh, really nice liner. You could put like five gels in there, mm-hmm. and they're tapered. Like they're taped seams. So they're not like yeah. they won't chafe you. No, um, that's the whole thing. Everything's taped, but it's even a step above taped. It's like. It's taped, and then in the joints where sometimes the tape gives up, they put, like, little T-shaped reinforcements yeah. uh, of taping. It's really well done. When stuff. does this – I don't think this stuff comes out for, like, uh, a couple weeks yet. So it's not on their website. Mm. By the way, real quick, I, we should mention this at the top, but this week's guest is Wes Study from Article 1 Eyewear. We're doing a giveaway of Article 1 sunglasses. Oh, yeah, they're doing a specially, special edition – one of one, if you go to our Instagram, um, we have a post that basically you can win a pair. Oh, like they're, awesome. they're going to monogram it with like whatever you want. Oh, that's really nice. And hey, so to talk a little bit about those, like first off, Megan got her mom a pair and Megan was wearing a pair. Down I get so Florida, many compliments. Every time everybody want to know, what are those? What are those? Which ones did you wear? Do you remember? Mm, what are they called? Do like the cat eye style? Yeah. Or? Okay. And then her mom had one that was a little bigger and square. Um, and both of them got compliments all the time. What I like about them is that they have that. Like, I love my gooders for what gooders are for. They're, they're trash glasses. Like, if yeah. you, you can take them if they get scratched. Yeah, right. If they do something, no big deal. These are high quality. You're going to want to keep them in a case and stuff like that. But they've got the UV on both sides. So mm-hmm. you get the anti-reflection on the side closest to your face, which you don't think you need. But... A lot of times that's where you're getting a reflection of light. Yeah, yeah, it matters for sure. And the lenses are insane. Yeah, they're really nice. Um, yeah, and it was a good conversation with them, so stick around for that. And winning a pair would be great because they're not not they're only like $200 sunglasses. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just to give away. You probably have a good chance of winning if you go over it. And it's just Instagram, follow them, like follow us, you know, obviously, tag a friend, and that's it. Oh, that's so nice. That's the those are the easy ones, right? You might as well yeah. do it. Yeah. What do you got to lose? A pair of sunglasses mm. if you don't do it. True, <laughs> true. So do it. Um, yeah. What else is new? Um, I'm trying to think because we did we did we were away for you know a week and a half or whatever. We were. I mean, we we did a couple shoe. We did the shift review. It's out on YouTube, which is pretty good. But we um, did the written review, which for some reason I'm not an author on, even though I was in it so i'll have to go in there and make sure people know that i'm writing that let me see i'll fix it right now <laughs> whining about it um i thought Lindsay. actually you know we what? did another uh long run in florida that but was thomas brutal. loved 
But oh, before yeah. we get in that, right back to the shift review real quick. Lindsay Agra did a fantastic review. I know. She's good. Yeah. That's our one of our other reviewers here. Yeah. If you see her on our Instagram, she is, I think, exactly what I think of most faster bastards, like more than meets the eye. She's not a faster bastard. She's a Believe in the Run Club runner. But um, she's an optometrist or no. Uh, I don't know. Some kind of <laughs> eye surgeon or whatever. Yeah. She's super she's smart. She's cool. She's got... Full sleeve tattoos. Like, I think she's going for the whole body. Like, her legs starting to mm. fill in. Um, but she's obviously a dedicated <laughs> runner. All right, all right. All that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that too much? Yeah. All right. Um, but, yeah, she, but she wrote a good I think she's awesome. For the endorphin awesome. shift three. So yeah. read that. But what, um, what about, like, other running stuff? So you guys are going to the Bronx 10-miler this weekend. Yeah. In the Bronx. We think so. We're taking a train, which oh, may or may right. not be running. Yeah. yeah they're, TBD. They're doing all that stuff. Amtrak. Yeah. Doing their striking. But yeah, so we're... <laughs> might be hitchhiking. We're just, <laughs> we might drive. We're taking the train up, hopefully. Uh, we're going to race Sunday. It's 10 miles. We're, our hotel is six miles from the start. And since we're all in marathon training, we're all going to jog over. And then run the race. I don't know. And then I know. It uh, sounds so much fun, right, Robbie? Yeah. I mean, our, but the last, the long run in Florida was horrendous. And, like, it was just gross. Megan, you did fine. Mm. Well, I that was my third long run down there, so I feel like I was used to those. Wow, you're going to be in great. dew point of 70 million. Yeah. Dude, it was so great. Robbie, I started in the dark. And you mm. know what it's like down there. There's all sorts of creepy crawlies and stuff. Yeah. I'm running on a path that's, like, covered like kind of like in trees mm -hmm. and it's pitch black out i'm like i'm gonna die back the first here. mile was scary i'm not gonna lie and then it's it it was the second you stepped outside it was still dark out it was just like a blanket uh, oh yeah it's like a wet comforter yeah just and it, but not comforting mm -mm. no just a comforter and it, you felt like oh like it was bad like i knew from the start i was like okay paces might be a little yeah. bit difficult to achieve today yeah I think I'm going to start. I'm, I think I'm going to try and run tomorrow. Dude, there's one stitch, I think, left in my leg because I got most of them out yesterday. Wait, what do you mean most? Why not all of them? Because it, like, they were buried underneath the, it was like a little, <laughs> like. Okay, I'm sorry I asked. So he's like, you got to, like, wet this up so they come back up. Moisten the skin. Okay. So there, I think there's only one left, though, and I thought about pulling it out myself. No, no. I kind of want to just to do it. Okay. <laughs> Do you never want to run again? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's not just hard. You just skin. snip it. Just be a, you just a, snip it and pull it. It would be a cosmetic it. thing okay. if you ruined okay. it. Yeah, it's not like, like it's or not. A, what could happen is part of the stitch could stay in his leg since it needs to be softened up, and I then it a, gets infected, <laughs> and then he, yeah. his leg falls off. Which I don't know. I still feel like we're on the fifty-fifty <laughs> fence on that situation because it's like now if you pull the stitch out, are you going to be like I'm a doctor? I think I think I will put a degree, print out a degree, and hang it on my wall. Um, but they, but yeah, I, it's gonna take like two months to actually heal. At least, it's a mess. But no muscle, no, was damaged. Right it's now, so it, it's just a matter of how bad you want the scar to look. Yeah, I mean it's gonna look bad, but but yeah. So I think I'm, I think I can run. So I'm gonna try it tomorrow. That's exciting. I love that Robbie not being able to run is what motivates Robbie to run. When Robbie can run, he can't find motivation. When he when he can't run, he's like, "I'm motivated. I want." Yeah, that's that's pretty much accurate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so then after tomorrow, I'll hate it. I just think every once in a while I should hit him with something. It's like 
I think know, he does that on his own. Break his own. Yeah, you don't have to do it. It yeah. happens. <laughs> I do. Oh, man, it is the worst when you take a break from like a couple weeks and then come back. Just it's like starting look, over. Yeah, I'm not looking yeah. forward to that. You know what's great about that, though, that I did like is that when you start to see fitness gains, like yeah. you come out and you're like, oh, when you this get is through hard. the suck. And then you're like, it's hard, it's hard. And then you're like, you go out for your first run and it's like, huh. Yeah. That wasn't so bad. Well, it, and luckily it's nicer weather now. So mm-hmm. I'm just feeling soft as. Like you know what I mean? Soft, soft as the more V four. Yeah, you know when you sit around and just like, because yeah, obviously I'm not doing the other stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. But um, I, you look as good as you've ever looked. So whatever know, you're doing, man. keep it up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, How about missing out on Erie? What was that like sitting while that was Matt? Yeah. Up? That was tough because I was supposed to do the Erie Marathon with our friend Matt Kacharski. And I, I was telling you, I think it was like from basically Friday till Sunday afternoon, I was in a horrible mood. And I was like, what? Why am I feeling so angry and stressed and mad? And I realized, I think intrinsically, my I was disappointed that I wasn't able to race that race, you know? So I was like, just stressed anxious just like pissed off my whole family like just in a bad mood and i think it was because of that do you think now i i wonder a couple things so matt would have always gone out do you think he would have gone out faster than you uh regardless of train like if you both trained really yeah if would you you want to go out as fast as he went no because i do the exact opposite like i'm i always go out way slower um purposefully like probably 15 15 seconds slower than i want to for at least the first couple few miles and then uh drop it down but so i i think there would have been that temptation because i think they have pacing groups for people to to just run flat but i was like going out slower so it would have been different anyways that would have been my like even if you were able to run like hypothetically everything was fine you trained properly i wonder if if you would have gotten caught up in the excitement with Matt at the beginning of the race. I, don't, I wouldn't have. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually it, pretty good about that. The weather didn't look amazing. No. And it, it wasn't was, like a perfect day you missed out it on. It was bad. Yeah. It, I think it was like 70 at the start. And it was cloudy, but it was really humid. Yeah. And it was that rain where it's not cooling you off. It's yeah. just oh, like, I hate that. Yeah. And that, that's the problem. Then that's Chafe City. But um, yeah, I feel like the problem with that marathon would be because there's so many people trying to qualify for Boston that... You know, you go out a nor- normal marathon and people kind of pace themselves. I feel like everybody's so geared up, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they they're just gonna like go out fast. So even if you're going like your goal marathon pace, you you'd probably get excited and be yeah. like, okay, it looks easy. Everybody's doing it. That could be true. Yeah. Well, he said, "What's crazy is that there's only like 300 people that run that race," right? And he said that. At mile 10, there was still a pack of 25 people, like, together because they're all going for, you know. Sub three. That exact. Three. Yeah. yeah. And so he, despite it being a pretty small race, you're still in a pack of people. And I think it was on a, you know, like a footpath, like kind of like the That's DNA right. trail type right, situation. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly like the best scenery or mm. it's just kind of. And it's loops, two, right? Two yeah. loops. Yeah. Loops. But I don't know. I, I will say New York, still in, still in it to fin-ish. Fin it. <laughs> in it to fin it. 
I don't know. But you said you and Jared are just we out are, to have fun. We are having fun. Like, we are going to stop, drink beers, like, whatever it takes. This is exactly what New Balance wants. Yeah. They're, like, <laughs> trained to win. No, I mean, here's the thing. We're running London, and I plan on trying to run London well. Yeah. Um, and Which then, is in how far? How long? Two and a half weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I last night, so I had a workout this morning, and last night I slept like shit. My brain was doing that thing where it just wouldn't turn off like all the stuff I have to do oh, yeah, all, I hate the, that. all the stuff and I just was like up and I remember I got up at two and I was like crap and then I woke up and I was like so tired and I was just like well this is perfect this is like what it is on race day you can't sleep the night before that's true and you are worried about logistics and like I always think I like uh Lauren uh Laura McGreen or she really messed it up with that I know. Instagram handle. But uh, <laughs> she did a post today about like trying to sleep the night before a marathon. And it hit home because one, I had trouble last night. And then two, I always think like the night before a marathon, I'm like, I may have forgotten how to run. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, do I know how to run seven yeah. paces? Like, I don't, I don't remember how to do that. Like, it's like your brain totally messes with you. Anyway, I woke up and I was like, this is perfect training because this is probably how I'm going to feel the beginning of the marathon. And I was tired. I was stressed out. And I ran my workout fine. So I was like, all right. Okay. Yeah. The weather this morning was phenomenal. Like I went out to walk the dog in a tank top and shorts and I was cold. That's the best. Yeah. Like fall, fall is on the way. But it's just a tease. It'll probably be like 90 degrees this week. It's definitely. I still came home super sweaty. Oh yeah! Once you're running, you mm-hmm. know it's all hot. But yeah. so you're. What do you? Ha- what do you have? Another long run? Or are you done? Well, so the, the Bronx? Bronx will be our long oh, run. That's so we'll right, do the. Right. It'll be sixteen to eighteen total, and um. And then we have a week, and that's it. And then we have yeah a short long a short long run, so twelve to fourteen miles, and then the marathon. Short long run. So, two and a half weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks from this Sunday. Wow. Yeah, nuts. We're going to be doing a shakeout run with Tracksmith. We're going to be sending out some uh, information about that. We're also going to have Emily Abate and uh, the Runner Beans, Charlie. Also, any of our UK people, if you are familiar with Race Day London Logistics. Hit us up. Send us a DM because I'm panicking. (laughs) (laughs) It's a point to point. So it's like you're going to be on a bus. and Well, like bid pickup is like 45 minutes to an hour away from our hotel, which is like where the start line is. And that whole thing just... Gives me anxiety. Is that still in London? Is that how big London is? London's like, huge. Oh. Yeah. I, how big is England, actually? It's about the size of New Jersey, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty big. I, I don't literally know. don't know if it's the size of, exactly, like, size of Maryland. It's, it's or bigger than Ireland. <laughs> I feel like... I'm going to... Let me, <laughs> let me guess what, what state I think it Danny would be. Danny always gets mad that we don't know any... I was going to say he's listening to this and thinking you guys are idiots. Well, it's bigger than Australia. Just kidding. <laughs> Alaska. <laughs> um, I do think it's, I'm going to guess it's the same size as Pennsylvania, which is surprisingly big. It takes like six hours to drive across PA. Why do Why do I think of PA as such a boring state? So England is the same size as Oregon. Oh, that's not that big. Okay, so that's like probably close to, to Pennsylvania too. 93,000 square miles. It's so amazing what they did with that space like created a whole oh wow so it's 93 okay actually pennsylvania is half that i thought that like oregon and pa were the same so wouldn't you I think oregon too. and pa would be yeah, the same size that's a good Math trivia question 
By the way, I love the guy on Instagram that asked questions like, where's the Panama Canal? And oh, no. what is seven plus seven plus seven? It oh. makes and, you realize how dumb we are. And then the one he asked one person, uh, what country is the Queen of England from? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they, and they don't get it. Mm-mm. And he said, and these are real people. He, he that said, vote. He said, yeah. how <laughs> ma- he said, how many moons are there uh, on around Earth? And the person looked at him blankly, and he's like, um, just take a guess, like how many moons you think <laughs> are around Earth? And she goes, two? Uh, a full moon and a, <laughs> a weenie like, moon. Oh, my God. Crescent moon and a full moon. But I, I love the ones where the answer's in the question. Yeah. And he always tells them that they're correct. Yeah, he goes, you're right. Yep. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I could watch those all day long. Mm, it hurts my soul a little bit, but Maybe yeah. Maybe should have a... You are good at trivia, though, Thomas. We should yeah. do a trivia thing. I would love that. Maybe we do a, a virtual trivia with our audience here. Do you ever like sit around and think about if you can do all the capitals without? No, without doing. I know I can't. Oh, really? Yeah. Me in fourth grade could. I know that's the thing. Let's do the same. Right? Is that was that just a general? I everyone learned it in fourth grade. You have to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I sometimes I was doing it the other week just sitting around trying to figure it out i could pull one out of the hat like if you're like a state and you're like what's the capital every once in a while i can pull one out of the hat we didn't do um because california doesn't care about other states <laughs> yeah so we just had to learn <laughs> everything about out. california like i know the state rock is serpentine the oh. fish is a rainbow trout tortoise is the reptile wow. wait question did you guys california have to Condors, do the leaf the bird, project in second butterfly. grade what was the leaf project where you had to collect like 50 different leaves around your area and then what? And you had to like laminate it, and then explain like which what they were and where they were found. That sounds familiar. I do remember laminating leaves at some point <laughs> and um, rolling them into small paper joints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, one time me and my friend we were bored, and we this is like in the early days of the internet when you could download the anarchist cookbook and not like go to jail immediately. Yeah. And because there's ways to make bombs in that. Yeah, but there's also just random stuff. And it was telling you that you could get a high by smoking peanut shells. Is that true? Well, no. You get a horrible headache, though. <laughs> Is that a kind of a high? <laughs> it was a low. Wait, so you smoked peanut shells? Yeah, we like we were like went across the park from our house and tried <laughs> tried doing it, and it was just a disaster. Maybe that's oh, like a wow. maybe that's an idiot test. Like, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't be using this bucket to smoke peanut <laughs> yeah. shells. That should be one of those questions that guy asks. Oh man. I, there's another kid in my class that tried to make nitroglycerin in a stove from that book, and I, I don't think it succeeded because he's still alive. But wow, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah, there is that guy did it go off the rails later on. Speaking, uh, there was a Walter White who got um, arrested for cooking meth. Oh, like like a, a real life guy <laughs> with the same name. Oh, like a norm. Wait, really? Yeah. That's amazing. That yeah. is pretty good. I mean, you have to think it's your destiny if your name Walter White. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they had a picture of him and everything, and they're like, this guy got arrested for cooking that. No way. Yeah, look it up. Was he making, trying to do it the same way? Too? I, like, that I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know if it was the blue meth, but yeah. Hmm. Also, a weird thing, I saw someone posted a uh, picture of family ties, you know, the whole family together. And, of course, I was young when that came out. And I looked at it. And to me, Alex B. Keaton looked old in when I saw it because I was like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And you see him and you see the father and you see the mother. I'm like, even the mother and the father look young to me in that picture. And Alex Keaton looks like a baby. Like he looks like Theo. 
And I was just like, oh my God, I'm getting so old. It's crazy to like, think that. Like the, when the adults from old shows that used to look ancient <laughs> now look like, hey, I'd hang out with them at a barbecue. <laughs> that is, that's how you know. Yeah. Oh, man. You ready well, to do we're a all shoe review? Oh, yeah, let's get on to shoes. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie was pontificating on I was like, on yeah, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. So in studio today, we have the New Balance Fuel Cell Rebel 3, mm -hmm. which is uh, one of, I'm not going to say it was one of my favorites, but you guys loved the I V2. I loved the V2. And it was funny because I was talking to Jared on the phone today because we, we got to write up our review. Robbie did a quick like first impressions that you can go read on the website. Oh, right. We just finished the video review for it, which should be up. By the time this is out. Yeah, definitely. Also, um, quick note. Okay, I think the press release today we posted something about the New York City edition colorways Okay. for the more Rebel and uh, RC Elite V3. So does that mean we can now post pictures of the RC Elite V3? Yes, but it doesn't come out until... Can I post my special pair, do you think? I don't know. Probably not. But they it doesn't come out until no. um, October 18th. Okay. Sale date. My speed work today was in a version of the RC Elite or SC Elite 3. We'll call it SC Elite... Oh, that's what I meant to say. 3.5. Yeah. Um, no little, one knows. A little bit different, yeah. Um, but this year, the <laughs> Rebel... had to say it. I know, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> geeked like, up about it. He's like, no, no, yeah. I guess still gotta say it. Uh, <laughs> well, Moving no, on to I, the pacer, I just, the picture. I mean, the rebel. Why do I want to call this the pacer so bad? It I does look a lot you like. Keep calling it the pacer. I've literally called it the pacer every time I talk about it. Between this and the pacer, I would go with this Me over too. the pacer. Yeah. Like even for like what the pacer is intended for, even though it's got a plate, this mm -hmm. shoe is light. The turnover is great. Um, it it doesn't look as cool as the V two. It does look like they've, I mean, so we kind of talked about this in the review, but the Rebel V2 felt more like an up-tempo shoe, more of like a let's pick up the pace day, whereas this shoe feels like they're trying to make it more into that daily trainer category where it is a little more maybe plain looking. It doesn't have that racer stripe on the top like the previous version. And you got a couple, or not even a couple, um, one and a half more millimeters of foam underfoot. Um, and... Which is weird because that doesn't sound like it would do much to change it. Yeah. But it does, it, it's it's missing a, I don't know, it, it just doesn't feel the same to me. What I do like about it is it has a really nice cushioning with this fuel cell foam. This foam, I do love this foam. Yeah. Did you say it's wider? Because it is. Okay. It is? Yeah. That was part of the thing. Maybe that's. So it makes it a little bit more stable as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I don't know. It to me, it reminds me of the Hyperion Tempo. It, yeah, you know, or any of the super critical foams. What it did was, I think before the lateral edge used to give it a more of a kind of like a fast feel, pushing you to your toe off. Well, I think that's part of it because it's wider. You don't. It's not that same, more yeah. faster feel. Which, it, by the way, I want to talk about it. So I'm going to write about it at some point. That they're killing shoes. Yeah, they're making shoes. Uh, I, I was telling Thomas, Megan, I feel like they're helicopter parenting all these cool shoes. It's yeah. like, they're like, oh, we got to put bumpers. We got to do this. Got to make it safe for everyone. No, make a freaking fast and risky shoe that and keep it cool. Like, like what they did with the Alpha Flight 2? 
Yeah, Alpha 2, Saucony, Endorphin Speed, which was still actually turned out well. It's just more of a daily trainer I, now. Yeah. yeah, I just, for me, that It's one, still a good shoe. It's just like... Do you want to know something? It's if, a daily trainer. If I'm going to pick between the Speed and the Shift, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go Shift. Weird. Okay, I haven't tried the Shift, so I can't comment, but... I mean, if I'm going to use it for what people are using it for, which is kind of like a long trainer shoe... Yeah. I, I think that I actually enjoy the shift more than the okay. speed three. But also, you know why they're doing that to shoes. Yeah, I know. To Yeah, I mean, it sells more yeah. if you track to a wider audience. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, man. But also, then you, you muddle your whole line because, okay, so do I go with right, this what, right. now or do I go with the 880? Do I go with, you know, if, if all the shoes are made for everybody. No one's happy. Exactly. If everybody's super, like no one is. The part of the reason why it's so exciting is because it's not like the other shoes. So, right. if you, I, I get you're like, oh, this is a shoe that everyone responded really well to, but it's a small segment, so let's like broaden it. Well, then it, exactly. Well, that's the weird thing. So you go into they also have to be concerned with how they're going to sell into local retailers. So if you go to the yeah. running store and you bring out this weird looking cool shoe, Rebel V2 that has a stripe on it, that's that. A lot of people, believe it or not, are buying running shoes that don't run. Yeah. So they don't want a shoe that's all flashy and stuff like that. And this one is lime green, and hers is a, a violet, but they have a white version coming out. They have stuff that you could use for, like, walking, and it would feel great to walk in and stuff like that. But it's not the purpose of the shoe. But if you look at what, like, I was talking to uh, Joe Rubio on that last podcast, and he was saying... 80 to 90% of the people who buy running shoes aren't running in them. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, I think that color, it you know, it reminds me of cornflower. Do you remember that crayon? Yeah. Crayon. He's dead say, straight. I'm sorry, what did you say? It's, uh, Pennsylvania. Crayon. They're called crayons. 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 It's funny because aren't they from there? Uh, they are. Eastern PA, actually. Yeah. So maybe Crayola we're factor. saying it wrong. Um, crayons. <laughs> <laughs> but do you remember the cornflower color? Yeah, yeah. That's, you're dead straight okay. on it. Um, this one, I will tell you, I don't love this for like, just like a color. But in the morning, in the dawn, this thing glows. Were you wearing it this morning? <laughs> I wasn't. Oh. But I was wearing it. Would have gone nicely with the highlighter outfit. Yeah, yeah. It, it glows. Like it literally looks like light is coming out of it. Yeah, it's radioactive. Yeah. But that'd be cool if they used radium in that. And then, our then your feet fall off. Feet yeah. in 10 years. Then they blame us. But um, were those were the watch girls that the watch women that had their jaws fall off? What? Oh, but did you know like so glow in the back in the day oh. with the glow in the dark watches? Yeah, you're, that was the stuff that was underneath the um that was the stuff that why uh, the plot of land in Baltimore East. couldn't be used for like forty yeah. years. So they had the um original glow radium in the dark was radium, literally. And the the these they're called radium girls and they would make watches in the factory and they would to get the tip of the paintbrush like pointy they would dip it in the radium and then <gasps> lick it and then paint the tiny little watch pieces details and eventually they like just lost their whole jaw like their jaws literally felt like fell off you see the photo google that i know no i'm not no, googling no, no. that um, there's certain things I, i'm okay <laughs> with just my imagination but yeah it's a real thing it was like super tragic obviously um and then, uh, but yeah, so that's yeah, so one of the most valuable pieces of property in Baltimore now is built on top of a site that they couldn't use for 
30, 40 years because during World War II, yeah. th- that's where they buried all the, uh, what is the... Just has like radioactive waste and hazardous yeah. waste. Now it's a ritzy area with expensive rent. <laughs> I think they're called Superfund sites. Yeah. Which actually just sounds like a hedge fund or something. Where or someplace fun to go. Yeah. It's funny because if you look at a map of Superfund sites in the U.S., Superfund. It's, it's basically just the Northeast is a red, <laughs> a red dot, All right. large red dot. Anyways, um, so who's our guest today? Is Article One? Yeah, West Study. And guess what? We got to do. We got to pimp out that there's a contest once again. Yeah. On the Instagram. So if you listen to this, you're gonna find out why these glasses are so special, and the craftsmanship that goes into it. I wear them all the time. How about the the one pair that we got last year? I wear the collaboration between them and the... CLA. And no, it was the backpack. Um, Yeah, the Mission Workshop. Mission Workshop. Yeah, that's the one. That one I wear all the time. And every time I wear that, people always ask me, what glasses are those? They're awesome. Check them out. This should be a good interview, right, Robbie? This is a solo Robbie. So Robbie's flying solo on this one. Yeah, I got to say, it's very similar to... uh, If anyone listens to how I built this podcast, because I was very interested in how he built it. So, which is cool. We talk a little bit about running, but it's more businessy, maybe. All right, I'll have to check it <laughs> out because I don't listen to how I built this. It's a good. Oh, you should listen to I it know, as a I small business should, owner. Yeah. yeah, probably should. There's a lot of things I said. I don't have time. <laughs> there, when uh, there's some great ones. On I still there. haven't caught up on the uh, House of Dragons. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Okay, enjoy this interview. I am. I'm up to speed <laughs> nice on. Try, I'm up to speed on Bachelorette. Like we, we literally have to go. <laughs> All right. All right. Peace. All right, first check-in. Man, we're getting close to fall marathons and races. Isn't this fun? I know you're probably tired right now. You've been working. Just keep going. All right, today we're with Wes Studi from Article One Eyewear, and uh, very excited to talk to you about your brand and everything you do, how it started. Uh, I know I'm a big fan of Article One. I've been wearing your glasses for the last few years. In fact, I probably it has to be probably the most worn sunglasses that I wear. <laughs> I do like seeing on Instagram. I like seeing you wearing them. It's it's awesome. Yeah, the. Uh, um, Hold on, I'm gonna... The mission workshop I see are the most worn. Yeah, the mission workshop is my is probably my favorite one. I wear those like all the time, um, so that's been really awesome. And um, I just love the styling of them. It's because it's an aviator ish, but it's a little bit mm-hmm. more more angles to it. So it just has a different look to it, which makes it stand out. Which I, I that's what I love about your eyewear is that there's very like classic designs there and you can kind of see it, but it has that little twist that makes it different. Thank you. Yeah. And first off, I mean, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the blog or, you know, of the, of the website. Um, And yeah, I mean, you, you hit it pretty much on the head uh, in terms of what we're trying to do with our eyewear is um, well, at least with our active collection is to create something that's not, 
been done before and it's not uh, really uh, uh, available elsewhere uh, in terms of creating stylish athletic eyewear. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you like them. Awesome. Yeah. So I guess I want to dial it back here a little bit and kind of maybe get your background. Uh, I, th- I believe you were a runner at some point, like, I mean, probably now, but growing up as well. So, and, and I'm sure that plays into the eyewear at, uh, to some degree. Let's talk about, yeah, maybe your background just growing up, running, whatever. Yeah, I mean, um, running, it's hard because even though I don't really run competitively now, you know, I mean, I'll jump, jump in a race here and there, but I wouldn't call it competitive. But um, I still, and I try plenty of other sports, you know, I uh, triathlon, biking, whatever. I still first and foremost identify as a runner, even before any, you know, my career. Uh, if someone asked me, what are you? I would say a runner. <laughs> um, you know, not that I do have ever done it professionally. Um, just because it's been kind of in my psyche my whole life. Um, uh, from a young age, running took was a very big part of my life. And... Um, yeah, ran competitively from the age of I don't know thirteen or something, oh, wow. and um, yeah, and 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 just have always loved it so much. Um, and ran at Eastern Michigan University. Um, college career was pretty terrible, and <laughs> uh, but you know all of my best friends came from there, and and you know when people ask me what I majored in, I say running, and you know even though. I definitely, you know, studied and, and, and worked hard at school. I, I truly believe that like all of the most important education I've ever gained came from running, came mm-hmm. from my coaches, my teammates. So yeah, running has played a very significant role in my life. So did your family run or how are you into it from such a young age? Yeah. You know, I don't remember, you know, it's, I guess it's when you're growing up with a, well, I, my, both of my parents are athletic, okay. um, but my dad, yeah, he's always been a runner, biker, endurance athlete. Gotcha. Um, and I don't remember any necessarily specific conversations. It's just always there. So, like, from a very early age, you know, I was trying to be fast at whatever the distance was, a quarter mile, a mile, yeah. whatever, at the age of 10. Um, and I grew up originally outside of Chicago Okay. and, um, you know, they had actually a really great sort of, you know, some where York high school is uh, not far from there. So like around that area, uh, lots of like kid, um, races and stuff like summer cross country race and stuff. I, I remember I did like a three quarter mile, uh, cross country race every Tuesday or whatever growing up. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And, and then it was just, it was fun. And I was doing that from the age of like 10. So it was just a part of my life, probably too big of a part. <laughs> if you if were going to therapize about it, but, but, uh, but it was, yeah, it's always been a very important part of my life. That's awesome. So when you yeah. went to Eastern Michigan, what did you study uh, while you were there? I studied econ economics and I, I okay. took it, you know, I took that pretty seriously because I, I really like geeked out about econ um, right away. Right when I got into it, I just kind of dove. like I took as many 
classes in my major as I could like every semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, yeah, I was really into it. I was planning on going to grad school, like going to get a PhD afterwards. Um, but then I summer before my senior year, I did an internship in DC at a think tank and I was basically like, wow, this is incredibly boring. <laughs> so I, this is, so I, you know, and I had been always, my parents were also entrepreneurs. Uh, they had, they had a, some they had retail stores in Chicago when I was growing up and, oh, cool. um, yeah, game stores actually like board games that, in the nineties. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was a good childhood with a lot of games. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I, so I I knew, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where like when if conversations are in the household, you kind of just are aware of that stuff more. So because I was aware of entrepreneurship, I knew it was a path for me. And I, so I was always had that bug a little bit. Um, and while I was doing that internship I kind of just like with you know it's one of those things as any kid probably is going through into their senior year of college starts having like an existential crisis of what am I going to do with my life (laughs) um because I had always been planning on basically like doing grad school and stuff yeah um and then when that flew out the window I kind of went to the drawing board and I just started thinking of ideas and to be honest, so like I started an eyewear brand before article one okay. that came out of this kind of existential crisis of <laughs> what am I going to do? And, and at the time Tom's shoes was, was, uh, right, right. you know, massive like 2010 or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I decided I wanted to raise money for a specific nonprofit and I was, I just honestly, randomly chose eyewear um as like the good the product like the that i was gonna use for that. to raise money for this gotcha yeah and it was truly like whenever i'm you know in the in the eyewear industry whenever like an optician asked me how i how i got into this this industry i always tell them naivete and stupidity because <laughs> i had no idea what i was getting myself into i had no background in eyewear and it's a very specific product to to design and everything so Second check-in, I can't wait for uh, our marathon to be over with. That's my favorite part of a marathon. It's not starting it. It's not anything else. It's crossing that line and being finished. So I thought about it today, and I'm like, I'm going to make my workout hurt. That way I will have more fun on marathon day. So the harder I work now, the better off I'll be. At that time period in the 2010, that was like the beginning of – you know, crowdfunding type projects or, yeah. or things like Tom's, um, where, you know, there's like this charity aspect involved with giving things away. And it was yeah. sort of that, that interesting, uh, inflection point where you had the internet fully coming into its own with, you know, Facebook ads and things like that. And then also, yeah. um, so, uh, it is interesting, you know, it makes sense that it would line up that same time frame with what you were doing as well. Um, yeah, it, it was very much kind of the early age of uh, direct-to-consumer goods as mm-hmm. well. Uh, like, that was, you know, probably, like, I don't know, Warby Parker at that time was probably one year old, maybe yeah. two years old, um, and, and other brands similar. Um, 
but I'd love to say that I kind of like was following that path, but I truly, it was truly like passion and naivete. Like I, I (laughs) was like, here's the product, here's the brand. And, you know, and it, and it's one of those things where it's, I was, you know, 22, 23 years old when it launched I launched it in 2012 and, um, it was one of those things where it's build it and they will come and that's, doesn't work in entrepreneurship. So what was you don't, the f- people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, um, people don't come if you don't actually market. It works for it works for building baseball fields and cornfields. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But nothing only magic. baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the first? Like, what was the uh, model business model for that first eyeglass company that you started? So we were donating $2 from every pair we sold um, to Helen Keller International. And, and um, you know, I the, I wouldn't say the eyewear was go- good or great at all. Um, it was the best I could do at that time. They were made in China. And it was truly just like I was just getting into it. Yeah. And I, uh, I like, launched it January of 2012. I, and truly it was like to crickets because I just, you know, I didn't, I had no knowledge of like what I should do. And I basically quickly realized, oh, I got to go sell these. And I, because direct consumer was still pretty early on and I didn't have that knowledge nor the capital because it is capital intensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I borrowed my mom's car and started driving around the country selling into optical shops. And I, the reason I went into optical shops and, and actually, I initially all these frames were sunglasses, and I popped the lenses out and started selling them as prescription. Nice. Um, yeah, and and that's just because the, the for me at that time the easiest place to sell them into was my local independent optical shop um, because the owners are typically right there in the store. You can't just walk into like a Nordstrom's and try and sell to them. You right. Know? Right. So. Um, so that's what I did, and and I started building a base of customers that way. And and the the only reason they bought from me was um, was because of kind of I think my passion for what we were try- what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the product wasn't wasn't great or anything, but but you know that that allowed us to survive for uh, two or three years. Um, really, like with minimal, you know barely any sales you know it was whatever i could scrape by and and i could survive with what regions were you covering like while you were driving around the first trip i did i remember it so clearly it was like um you know i had saved up i was like bussing tables at night and stuff i was living in chicago and um i saved up a couple thousand dollars to go do this trip and I went west from Chicago and did a massive like circle of the western states and hit just every major city that I could. Dude, there's some long drives out me. there. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm used to you know. And then as I was building the company, I became I because you start when you're starting anything like that, especially in wholesale of that kind, um, you just got to be your the biggest salesperson kind of. So yeah, even as we started building the team over the years, like. Oh, I've done some big trips for sure because yeah. you got to get out there and sell. So what so. made you go west instead of east? Because it's, there's a lot more condensed like in the northeast or, you know, mid-Atlantic region as opposed to out west. You know, um, one, probably I was also I was, you know, 23 or something years old and probably wanted to have fun in the mountains. <laughs> Had some wanderlust. So like probably, 
You know, a lot of this is driven by like youth. Oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of my decision making back then. Yeah. So, uh, so probably a big part of that, and then also I didn't pay for staying anywhere. I was staying on couches the whole time. Nice. I was like that first couple trips, like those first couple of years, I had such little money. Um, you know, so I just I have friends and family in like a lot of the West. So nice, yeah, a lot of couch surfing those first couple of years. Yeah, I feel you. it's interesting because um, when I I also had a bit of an existential crisis because I went to school for English education to be a teacher. And then when I did my student teaching, I was like, I don't think this is (laughs) what I want to be doing. And in the same way, I ended up, uh, I was like, oh, I got some time for I really need to figure things out and joined a band and uh, drove across the country and slept on people's couches in the same (laughs) kind of manner. Um, So I know that feeling of just part, part wanting to you know, live out a dream also like that wanderlust of wanting to see the country and things like that. But it's, it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's like also when you're that age and you have no responsibilities, my only bills were, you know, rent. Exactly. That's about it. So, and it was very low rent. So it's, um, it, uh, I couldn't do that now. You know, I have a wife and kid right. and, and it's like, You'd have to be a little more thoughtful if you were launching a business nowadays uh, yeah. at this age. But back then, it's like it was an experience. It was, it was. It's nice to look back on. Yeah, I always so. did think, you know, just from working so many restaurant jobs while doing that, as as you were describing, I was like, the worst thing that happens is that this totally fails, and then I, I can still yeah. make money to figure out my next step. But <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I exactly, and I think there's a lot about that that kind of you know, at the time it might suck as I can imagine there were some down moments for you, um, during those first few years. But I think a lot of that prepares you, whether you don't, you probably don't realize it at the time, but you know, prepares you for things later on. Oh, most definitely. I think at the very least it frames a mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I've learned so many lessons from all of my failures as uh, entrepreneur and business owner and um, brand builder. Any of the roles that I play, I guess, is I've failed many, many times Um, and I've learned a lot. And but then that first the initial grind of starting a business I think it's just great for, yeah, framing a mindset of like this, any success afterwards is like framed upon the initial grind Mm -hmm. rather than jumping in if you're, you know, jumping in halfway or whatever. I think that's Um, scarcity. I think the scarcity mindset of having to, you know, work with very few resources and squeeze water out of a rock, so to speak, is uh, huge for, you know, building that foundation for further success yeah yeah definitely um so so you had the the first business and then tell me the transition from that to article one yeah so you know the dates are like at this point a little fuzzy to me but basically i realized in basically in like 2014 that this is not you know, the, I had learned, actually I'll back up the, the, those initial where I now say article one kind of was born was those were the initial meetings I had with like opticians and optometrists in the, uh, eyewear industry because they were the ones, because I didn't have that education before. They were the ones teaching me about 
the industry, about the product, um, you know, the, the, the great brands to look up to, um, what makes eyewear high quality, low quality, everything. Mm-hmm. And um, after a couple of years of that education, I realized that, okay, this is not the brand. I'm not, you know, at that point I was passionate about eyewear because I learned enough. And um, like passionate beyond just my brand, basically. And, and so I realized this is not the brand I want to build. Um, so I basically spent most of 2015, like tearing that first brand down and getting ready to rebrand as article one. So the beauty of that was we were still incredibly small because I did really didn't have much success with that first brand. Um, I think in terms of wholesale, I think we were working with like 40 stores. So that's enough that I could okay. in one day or a couple of days, you know, pick call, pick up the phone and call every account and and talk to the, talk them through okay you know like we're tearing this brand down but in its place we're we're launching this brand article one but right, and this right. is what we're this is what we are and um it's just we i had learned enough about what makes eyewear high quality and 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 anything that is basically aspirational and i wanted to create an accessible um, luxury brand. And, and that's, I think the mindset I had back then to put it simply. And, and as we've evolved, cause also even then I was in my mid twenties when we, when we, um, when we switched over to article one, I, I called the like launch of article one, 26, uh, January, 2016. Cause that's kind of when we flipped the switch. Okay. Um, and that, even then it's like the evolution from 2016 to 2018 to now is just tremendous because it's still figuring out along the way, who are we? And because as it is, if you're 20, whatever, seven years old, you don't even know who you are as a person, you know, you're still evolving as a person. And if, since it was like very entrepreneurially solo driven, um, it, it changed a lot along with my tastes and everything. So, um, but it's still very much going along with that accessible luxury in a sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And so you, you, so you flipped a switch. Now I, I yeah. wanted to talk to you about the kind of the production process, the, what makes it a luxury product at an affordable price? Because you're, you're saying how the, the, your early brand you know, was made in China. It was kind of like sunglasses. You switched out the lenses and stuff, but then you had this, you have article one, um, which I know the the frames are, I believe the frames and lenses are made in Italy. You might want to correct me on that one. Um, yeah. And and so it's like this from a, a family owned factory. It's been there for a while, and it's you know high quality and all this. So a uh, how did how that how did that switch happen? And then B, I, I'm very, always very interested in like how you make those connections, and then how that comes to be, and then yeah. So if you could just go into that a little bit. Yeah, I'll say the supply chain aspect uh, has been one of the biggest struggles of building the business. And I, I would assume of any, I mean, yeah, sure. whether you're an apparel brand, um, anything, like if you're building a physical product, the supply chain is everything. Um, and that we you know i started in china i actually made glasses in turkey for like a year 
and a half or something. And that was really a bad experience. <laughs> and that was such a bad experience that that's what it kind of like was one of the, um, um, motivators to switch over to Italy. I was like, okay, fine. I got to like really make a change here. Okay. And that first, the first, uh, time I switched to Italy was, you know, I, I there's a major trade show in Milan every, every February or March. Um, and I, I just, I went over there and met as many people as I could at the trade show and, and, um, started working with, uh, somebody at that point that I had met there. And then you just kind of just, the network builds, I've made lots of, you know, 10 or so trips over to Italy, um, to meet with different factories or meet with our existing factories. And, Mm -hmm. um, as the network builds, you, you also learn, about it's a it's a very small industry you know so it's all up it's in like a very specific region of italy uh up about like an uh hour north of venice and there's you know i don't know how many factories but let's just say two or three dozen you know it's not it's so it's not in terms of factory owners there's not that many so right so you you get a lot of like gossip and and everything. So you really, you learn who to, to, who to work with and everything. And I mean, I'll be honest too, in the time that I've worked in Italy, I've made mistakes in terms of who to work with. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we've had to switch, move around the factories and, and who's more efficient and, um, everything like that. So, uh, but the biggest factor in terms of quality beyond, obviously the cost efficiency and everything like that to me. And, and this really speaks to the ethos of article one is the connection we have with the managers, owners of the factory and, and the people there, we really, you know, I like to go visit the factories Mm -hmm. and have a personal connection with them. Um, And I will say too, country of origin is not, I know we push the made in Italy, like in terms of that's on that's on our website and everything. We we have made in Italy, but country of origin doesn't matter that much to me as much as the personal connection does. Okay, um, you know, borders mean nothing as 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 long as the quality of the product is good and the people, and we have a mutual respect um, and connection with the people. So why is that? Um, why is that uh, so important for you? Because I think for a lot of uh, business owners, it's they just want to meet, you know, get the right margins, um, make sure the bottom line's covered. Yeah. So, so for you, why was that? So why are you so intentional about that? It's the same reason. So I run in, uh, the new balance Vongo uh-huh. and, uh, I could buy that anywhere. Literally, you know, I, uh, runner's warehouse or running warehouse or mm-hmm. eBay or whatever. And, um, I buy it from Ann Arbor running company where I live mm-hmm. um, because I like to have a connection to the people I'm doing business with, you know, like it yeah. matters. I think the the less connection we have, the, the worse off I think we're all going to be economically and just, you know, from, from climate change to just how people are treated. I think it's, it's, it's the less connection, the worse, yeah. you know, the, the um, so, um, that it's the same reason. Yeah. Like if I buy jeans, I'd rather buy it from the, a store in Ann Arbor versus online, um, like a, a no name brand, 
um, or store. So that is the like that's something actually within the optical industry because you know majority of our business is optical. That is very much like the central story we're trying to tell to our opticians who work with us and the end customers is that it truly matters to us that the end customer is working with an optician that they have a personal connection with. They trust mm. to style them with the best glasses. Right. Um, and then we want that optician to feel connected to us. Like if they want to call and speak to me, the founder totally cool like i we want to have that connection and then and then it goes all the way back to the to the suppliers and, and the factory factories so um i just think it matters with in terms of like how to build a business so that's interesting because you know a lot of companies in you're in the d2c market um they're despite the fact that it is directed to consumer there's still not necessarily a personal connection there um, yeah. So it's almost like you're meeting, you're like, have one foot in both worlds in that situation, which is pretty. Yeah. Cool. You know, when it comes to D to C, I, um, I still like, and this is how I actually believe in connection in, in direct to consumer is I think you can feel, you get a sense of like the brand ethos, um, and, and like, community through a great brand so like two of my favorite brands tracksmith and cle mm-hmm. like you get a sense of who they are as people really quickly through their social or their website right. um and their storytelling and um it's like it's the same it's the same uh goals and philosophies of of like that connection um and I and I know just from working with actually both of those brands that they have that they they live by that too in terms of um, just being very thoughtful. Um, so it's that thoughtfulness I think when it comes from from every angle. Yeah. Um, and I to, I think to those types of customers it really does matter. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think I do love that. That's um, I don't know. It's I love that. That's it's it swung. I think you know from small business to like. To, to online and then it became somewhat nameless and faceless and i love that it swung back to that you can do both you can have your online yeah. you know uh directed consumer experience but you can also have it in a way that feels very personal and you know a lot of times you know you can reach out to directly to the owner like you're talking about or something like that and, yeah uh, it's it's definitely a cool i love that space in the especially the running industry like you were talking about with cla yeah. tracksmith yeah um there's some other like norda um some other brands like that i feel like yeah i love so yeah i could talk about those brands all day like you know i i'm a i'm a big big fan of of the independent running space and because it's just crazy how undeveloped it went for so long and now you right. have some actual some real leaders in the space sure. with like tracksmith and everything and, um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's really amazing for, for the community, the running community and for the industry, um, to finally have some, some leaders in that white space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you are running and you see you're wearing, let's say a tracksmith shirt and you see a little hair logo on somebody, you know, you're crossing paths with, it's that little like acknowledgement 
Not even that you make eye contact or anything. It's just that you're like, oh, we're part of the same community. Yeah. Because it's somebody else that appreciates the independent spirit of running. Um, and I just, yeah, that's really special in the running world, I think. And uh, and that's this just goes all in the same philosophies of all this, like, close connection. Yeah. And it is uh, pretty crazy to me that, as you were saying, it took so long. Like, this space was undeveloped for... I mean, I feel like the explosion really happened in the last like five or six years. Yeah, where um, you know Tracksmith, um, like you know, all these all these brands that we were just mentioning. But now it's it's so awesome to see how many options there are and like new people coming in the space. Like you have Bandit Running who just started. You have these yeah. other uh, other brands, and it's it's really cool to know that like like running can be cool. <laughs> like it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to be nice. buy buy shorts at an outlet uh, at the new Nike outlet or whatever, and that's what you're yeah. wearing. Um, I love that it it you can you have all these different style options now, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, speaking yeah, of that, uh, sorry. And speaking of that, uh, oh, your no. your designs yeah. are are very cool. So I want to know some of the inspiration behind your designs, and then also what makes the uh, this is kind of a part two question. What makes the your active collection active or good for running yeah. as opposed to just normal eyewear? Yeah. So this, a, a nice bridge actually between what we were just speaking about is for the longest time, there just wasn't really any options for athletes beyond the, I'll, you know, there's a lot of brands, but I'll just base it like Oakley Nike of that, you know, elite athlete look of, uh, you know, six or eight base lens and curvature shields. Uh-huh. Um, or you go down the line of athletic sunglasses down to like Maui Jim and Costa of like uh, fisherman style. Um, but there wasn't much else out there in the athletic market and they're mostly large, large brands, right. um, you know, conglomerate owned. And, and so it's been really nice. The independent eyewear space beyond just sunglasses has grown significantly. And that's been really great for creativity in our industry. Um, but as a runner myself, so in 2018, uh, a mutual friend connected us with, uh, Matt Taylor, um, from Tracksmith and they wanted to do some sunglasses and, uh, we were lucky in that style wise we really vibe with each other in, in like kind of vintage inspired shapes styles and um the charles was born which they still carry the charles yeah. um as like uh their own product now but um that was a, initially a collaboration between the two of us and that was very much like an inspiration from our uh, other eyewear in our in our collection of just classic american sunglass shapes and um that is where we t we t took that and we and we first of all that was like successful beyond our wildest imagination as run runners world gear of the year and, yeah. and it sold awesome. extremely well and it was it was awesome and it was to be honest when we were developing it like it was it was also a selfish endeavor for myself because I had never had sunglasses that I enjoyed running in. Mm -hmm. You know, I wore Oakley's, I think, for like in college and stuff. Um, and I felt odd in them. <laughs> and uh, it's just not my look. Right. So um, 
so when we when we were developing the Charles initially, I had like apprehension in that I was like, oh, this is either going to when um, you know when we were putting it together with the factory and everything of the nose pad and everything how it was going to work, um, it was either going to work really well and not look good or look good and not work and and when it came out the final product came out it like it was both it was fantastic on both ends and um so we jumped into the active space after that because it was just so fun and and honestly um most fun for me um in in terms of uh i get i like to talk about you know running or biking and and sports uh when it comes to the eyewear so um We've developed it now, and when we're designing our sunglasses and any anything new that we're going to add to the collection, we start style first. And I think that's where we're different from a lot of other athletic um, brands is that we start with the shape first, and then we go to the components and everything that will make it active and make it good for a run or a bike ride or whatever. That's where we differ from from other athletic brands. Second check-in. I can't wait for uh, our marathon to be over with. That's my favorite part of a marathon. It's not starting it. It's not anything else. It's crossing that line and being finished. So I thought about it today and I'm like, I'm going to make my workout hurt. That way I will have more fun on marathon day. So the harder I work now, the better off I'll be. Yeah. And that, that's what I love about article one is that, like you said, I can wear them on the run. I can wear them to a wedding. I can wear them to, you know, pretty much anything I'm doing to the beach, whatever. And they work in any situation, which is really all i want and the sunglass you know like yeah. if i have shoe, i'm also not a shields guy like i've worn them i've tried them but like yeah. if i if i have a pair of 200 dollar shields i'm wearing those for run like that's it like i guess yeah. you could wear them off the run but i just feel like i don't i don't look like a douche <laughs> yeah i mean it's well if it's not your style it's not your style and it's definitely not my style and it, it would not fit in with the, what i wear or anything um right so it's I, I yeah to me it goes along with the with uh our mission with our optical glasses like our tagline basically is heirloom eyewear and that means we want to have something that is timeless in style and extremely high quality that's going to last forever um and you know not necessarily that you're going to wear forever but it's something that becomes special enough. You know, it's, they're not cheap. They're 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 sure. a fairly big purchase for anybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to make this purchase, one, I hope you wear it for more than just an hour a day. I would love for you to wear it on the run and to a wedding. Um, but also for years, you know, like I I hope you're you're running in these and and wearing them around for years. And then when you're done, they don't go into the landfill. They go into a desk drawer and they're kept for decades and refound, you know, by a grandkid. I always, That's our goal. I, this is weird, but I, I always have this like <laughs> uh, fantasy or like imagining when I buy something um, like a watch or sunglasses, or something like that. I just always wish in my heart that exactly what you just said is that I'll have these, A, that I won't lose them, which is the most difficult task of all. 
Um, but that break it in, like, you know, it'll be in photos from this time frame, and then yeah. it goes in a drawer. My kids discover it when he's in high school or in college or someone, and then yeah. it's the the whole aesthetic has come back around by then as well, and it becomes like this, like you said, an heirloom piece. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, it's well, it's, you know, to be honest, it's like our age group too. Probably is the mentality. Um, when I was twenty five, I probably did not have this mentality of like, oh, I want this thing to last you know, whatever I'm buying, pair of pants or whatever, oh, this right. needs to last me at least a decade, you know, it like <laughs> yeah. needs to be extremely high quality. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy something that's really nice and really high quality and I want it to last me forever, basically. Yeah. Um, I think there was that, because I think I'm a little bit older than you, but in the 2000s, there was that, the H&M was huge, like yeah. all these like fast fashion brands came into existence where it's, absolutely absurd that a t-shirt should ever cost five dollars or any piece of clothing yeah exactly um because that's exactly. you're literally just buying trash it's like throwaway goods yeah. um and then yeah, exactly. and then i think you know the pendulum swung as a reaction to that to being like a certain subset of people were like we need like buy things intentionally that are sustainable and we've talked about this on the podcast before sustainable in a way of like long lifespan um, yeah, where you're not replacing it every two years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I definitely, I, I'm never gonna come, or I, I'm never gonna claim that we're a sustainability first brand. Like we, we do what we what we can um, within our parameters, but I don't want to be greenwashing. But yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, to me, like if I buy a pair of jeans, the most sustainable thing I can do is just not buy, you know, buy that one pair and use right. it for years. And the same thing with the eyewear. I just don't, I don't want our glasses to end up in the landfill. And so if they become a special purchase by somebody and that, you know, they are kept for years um, versus yep. one year or something, um, that's, that's my ultimate goal. Yeah, definitely. Um, along those lines, I have to ask you is, yeah, can you, t I feel like this is a thing and I don't know if I'm imagining it, but I feel like there's a certain feel to sunglasses where if you have them for a long time that they have an actual like quality sunglasses have a broken in feel. Like it's just a certain, the way that like they feel when, I don't know, obviously a little bit more fluid when you close the arms. Um, but just, I feel yeah. like there's a broken in like aspect to them. And I don't know if I'm imagining that or if that's an actual thing. <laughs> It's probably part both, <laughs> both. Um, you know, so most eyewear is made with acetate as a type of plastic. It's like a cotton based plastic mm -hmm. and it's very moldable. Uh, so if you heat it up, if you ever leave a, a pair of acetate uh, glasses in a car or something, it might, you might see that it like um, kind of ruins them, you know, like it, it uh -huh. bends. Um, so but then, like, a, a shield is made out of TR-90, which don't move. So right. I think if you, you might imagine that um, they are, like, getting broken in if they're acetate and they get a little soft, like, maybe um, morph to your uh, head a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. The hinges, I think most people would complain about, like, the hinges getting more more <laughs> loose. I stuff. like that, though. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, maybe that, that might just be me. I don't know. <laughs> No, nah, well, maybe I don't know, but you know that's the 
it, they're different materials. That kind of brings me to the the our active collection as we've developed it, mm-hmm. the newest collection we. Um, made out of a completely new material that's proprietary to the factory we work with. It's called hexatate. And the beauty of this material is that it's basically a cross between acetate, which is like a normal pair of glasses, that material, that plastic, and then TR90, which is like the an Oakley shield type type um, right. plastic. So it's the it's beautiful beautiful because you get really rich colors. Um, um, compared to a TR90, it's it's more like more supple in terms of um, uh, adjustments. Uh, but then it is once you do like mold it to um, the shape you want, it is much more rigid um, to heat and everything uh, like TR90. So we we discovered this um, this the factory that was using this, and um, we were super excited about it. And, uh, this new collection, we're really, really happy with how it came out. So we're going to stick with this material for, for a long time. Awesome. That's, that's really cool yeah. to hear. And yeah, I, I love, uh, I mean, everything you've used so far seems to be working out pretty well, uh, in my personal nice. experience. So, um, I did want to say, I should mention this at this point that we are doing a giveaway, uh, of article one sunglasses for, so for all our listeners, if you are listening, make sure you head over to Instagram and check it out. All the details are there. And we're going to be giving away one pair, and it's going to be personalized, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's- Yeah, I'm excited about that. We actually found uh, one of our optical sh- shops that we work with does engraving. Oh, cool. I reached out to him. And- yeah, so we're going to be getting a personalized engraving. That's so awesome. I'm, so- I'm excited to see that and for someone to, to grab a pair of those. That'll be really cool. Um, I did want to ask you a couple more questions. One, uh, what was your first business venture? Uh, maybe as a kid, I don't know if it was like selling candy or something like that, but maybe baseball cards, but what was your first, um, like business venture that you can remember? You know, I can't remember cause I, I honestly wasn't, when I was a kid, I wasn't like very business driven, but, um, but I will say in terms of kind of entrepreneurial, when I was like, uh, 10 or so I organized, um, a cross country team in my neighborhood of all the local kids. I put flyers in everyone's mailboxes (laughs) and I organized like a a nightly practice, um, uh, (laughs) at the park in like the middle of our neighborhood and, uh, had them run across back and forth across the park. And I had like, I don't know, five to 10 kids. Oh my gosh. That's like the most uh, wholesome running content right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, and if you, uh, so we, we like to ask our, our guests this, if you, if you're running a race, probably a little bit longer distance, I'm, I'm not sure. What's, what's your favorite distance? First of all, um, right. my favorite would be a mile, but I no longer can do that. So <laughs> I'd say a marathon now. Okay, cool. So, so after marathon, uh, what are you, what are you getting into as far as food and beverage? Oh, geez. Um, uh, probably a beer and, uh, any food that can, that crosses my plate. So let's, let's say pizza or something, but probably an IPA. Yes. That's what's up. I like it. Um, and then I did want to ask you, uh, so you're, are you still in Flint, Michigan or is that, or is that changed? We, we moved out of Flint and are actually, uh, like our 
business operations are actually run out of Minneapolis now. Oh, okay. Um, like, so our customer service and shipping, everything is in Minneapolis. And then, um, I'm, I'm based in Ann Arbor. Okay. Gotcha. So, uh, I know we talked about some other brands that kind of came around 2010s and I know like Shinola is one out of Detroit. Mm -hmm. Is there something in the water about like Michigan, the Midwest that has that, uh, you know, in the same way that the automobile industry and other things that there's that entrepreneurial spirit that comes from there. Oh yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, there's a, there, I mean, you could say in multiple directions of whether it's tech or, uh, actual like consumer goods, um, or automotive, uh, machine, good machine, um, parts, um, mm-hmm. not just Michigan, but the rust belt in general has a lot of grit. And I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of the history of, um, kind of entrepreneurship in the Midwest from Dayton, Ohio, up to Cleveland and Detroit and Flint. Um, especially Flint. I mean, G- General Motors was, was born in Flint and I, I don't think a lot of people know, know that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was, it, it, if you see downtown in Flint and first of all, I give a little shout out to the Crim, which is a huge 10 mile race that, uh, just, just happened a couple weeks ago in Flint. Uh, it's, um, 40-something years old and um, oh, nice. is, a, is a fantastic race. But if you go, you know, downtown Flint, uh, where the crim starts and finishes, it says Vehicle City, and that's because it uh, used to produce um, the most vehicles in the country or the world. Um, so, yeah, it's it, – and then through that, you know, rough times through the whole Rust Belt. So it's the, the grit that – came out of that is now generating uh, quite a bit of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I love that. Um, very cool. Well, Wes, thank you for coming on the podcast. I, uh, it was a really cool conversation. I love like learning about the, the business, how you started and everything else. And, uh, I'm ex- excited to see, uh, what else you, you have in the future. And yeah, by the way, uh, all our listeners, make sure you check out the link in the description or go to our Instagram for all the giveaway details. Um, but yeah, thanks, Wes. Thanks, man. That was fun. Robbie, you enjoyed that interview, I could tell. Yeah, it was a good time. Megan, did you listen to it? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. It's Can't not wait, out. though. It's not out yet. Okay. Um, all right. So that wraps up this week. We had a great time uh, rambling for you, hopefully. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed your run today or vacuuming your house or whatever you're doing. Yeah. One more quick shout out, which I guess this belongs in the outro. My, so my sister ran her first half marathon this past weekend. What's her name? Which is crazy. Only second person in my family to do that. Nice. It's me. What's her name? Sherry. Sherry. Way to go, Sherry. And you, you know why it all started? Because Summer Grit. Oh, That's amazing. She did summer the gateway grid. drug, and she was like, "This ain't so bad." She was like, "Well, I ran all these miles. I should probably put Decent. it to, to good use." Did Kimmy I run love with that? Her? No, she's running with her in in Baltimore, so oh. she's doing Baltimore too. Poor Kimmy. That's a. Oh wait, I should say that's the best. No, she knows it's terrible. Um, ever. It's silly. Everyone no, no. knows. <laughs> it's the best. It's terrible in it. What was kind of fun? Type A? Type A. Type A fun? Yeah. Type 2. Type 2. Type fun. 2. Type 2. Yeah. Um, type A. Yeah. Wow. Doing letters, yeah. 
Uh, anyways. All right, so, yeah. so that wraps it up. And congratulations, Sherry, on your first half marathon. Maybe next great you're going to go for the marathon, which would be cool because then you could be like, sooner or later you could beat Robbie out. Yeah, probably. Just do don't it. cut your leg on okay. stuff and you on can the take cur- the lead. On the current trajectory, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that's it this week. Have fun, people. Hi, Mom.